Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, Michael Hoggard is here to reveal the mother of all secrets, and Larry Stam will give insight into serving in Christ's court. Question, when was the last time you visited our website, swrc.com? There you'll find over 1,000 books, DVDs, and resources that will encourage and inform your faith. The nation's top Bible teachers are found at swrc.com. That's swrc.com. We're in the final days of our Meeting the Mission $1 million matching gift challenge. If you like to wait till the last moment, then now's your time. Have your gift doubled today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can give at our website, supportswrc.com. That's supportswrc.com. Thank you. Time to join Greg Patton and today's special guest, Michael Hoggard, as they reveal the mother of all secrets, Freemasonry, New World Order, and UFOs, So hold on tight. It might get a little bumpy. Here's Greg Patton. Got one of my favorites here today in Michael Hoggard. He is a pastor. He's a pastor in Festus, Missouri, Bethel Church. He's the founder, the director of Prophetic Research Ministries. He spent so many years, as you're going to find out, researching the scriptures. He's discovered so many biblical principles and some things maybe you have never heard heard of, his desire helping you understand the Word of God as, well, a prophetic voice. He's been called upon now. He talks college campuses, Bible conferences, local churches. He and his wife, Lisa, and the kids live just south of St. Louis, Missouri. Michael Hoggard, welcome to Watchmen on the Wall. Brother Patton, it is so good to be not only with Southwest Radio, but with you. You're going to be with us in Des Moines, Iowa, coming up on September the 30th there at the Embassy Suites. And uh, so looking forward to the Southwest Radio Conference's clarity to the chaos. So many things that Michael Hoggard has produced. Books and DVDs available at swrc.com or 1-800-652-1144. Aliens, UFOs, cryptid creatures, giants, gods, guns, and gun control. I'm sure I'll like that one. Rick Warren. I've been talking a lot about Rick Warren on my radio program, my daily show. New Age, The Great Falling Away. How do you get into talking about all of these things? This is not average for a Baptist preacher. No, it's not. And I guess it goes all the way back to childhood, Brother Patton. It's because I have just always had an inquisitive mind when it comes to mysteries, secrets, things like that. Thank God that God grounded me in the scriptures at an early age because it was at an early age that I started looking into a little bit of what witchcraft was all about. That's when you find out that Halloween is not really what we thought it was, that it was just a time for us to get together and bob apples and get candy, that it actually had a not-so-good history that went along with it. And so just over the years, I've had curiosities about things of the occult world, paranormal things, poltergeist things, and that's something that I'm doing some some work on now. 
I'm a big believer in Bigfoot, and I actually believe that Bigfoot is mentioned in the scriptures. That's a different subject. I've always had an interest in UFOs, but again, as a young man, God has grounded me in the Word of God, so it's always been in my mind that the UFO subject itself has some some relation to the devil and his angels. And as I study the scriptures more and more, I'm convinced of that. And so it's just always been my mind wanting to know more and more things. One of the best things that my dad ever brought home as a gift one day was a set of world book encyclopedias. And I can remember as a boy sitting there and reading the encyclopedias. See, any article that caught my attention, I would read it. And I would try to learn things and just build a a base of knowledge in my mind. I had no idea why, but it was just something that was interesting to me. And I think when it comes to the Bible, the Word of God, as you know, my Bible of choice is the King James Version. It's the one that they're not rewriting every 10 years, and they're not changing it, and it's the one that I believe that has the answers to everything in it. It was actually at a Southwest Radio Conference, I'm going to say probably around 2002-2003 that Brother Hutchings had me come out and speak on Bible numbers and so on. And I met a medical doctor there by the name of Chuck Thurston, and and we hit it off really well. And Chuck is the guy who showed me and opened my eyes up to a couple of things. Number one, that every cell in our body is a perfect picture of the wilderness tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build on their way to Canaan land. And that really fascinated me. That got my attention. And then he showed me a verse, Psalm 139.16. Anybody who can write this down real quick or try to remember this, Psalm 139.16. Psalm 139 is the chapter where it says, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And in this particular verse, David, or whoever wrote Psalm 139, it was written about 3,000 years ago, said this, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. In other words, we're not in a perfect state yet, but we're going to be. And then he said, and in thy book, now this is David saying this to God, God, in thy book, all my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Dr. Thurston, he is an ER doctor, actually. He's a very smart guy. But he said, Mike, that's DNA. And I got to thinking about that, and I went, Lord, he's right. First of all, he calls it God's book. And one of the things that scientists, geneticists, and people who study DNA One of the things they've learned in the last 20 or 30 years is that the DNA codes that are in every living creature's DNA is not just a jumbled mixture of here and there codes that end up putting things together for a living organism. 
but actually they are organized. And in fact, they are organized so well that you'll have a string of genes that make some sort of protein or make some, some part of your body. At the beginning of that gene string, you'll have what's called a start codon. In other words, there is a piece of the DNA that they recognize as like a paragraph marker or how we capitalize the first letter of every sentence. And then they notice that when that gene sequence was done, that at the end of that gene sequence, there was a code that they called a stop codon. When you start at the start codon, and you start reading the gene sequence, when you get to the stop codon, that's the DNA's way of telling you this is the beginning and the ending of one genetic sequence, and then you're going to see another start codon, and it's going to start another genetic sequence. Now, the way to illustrate that in your mind is open your Bible up and take a look at any chapter in the Bible. And you'll see verse 1. And then you'll have a verse there. In your genetics, in your DNA, you'll have a start codon. That'll say like verse 1. And a stop codon. That'll be like the period at the end of verse 1. And then you'll have another start codon. That'll be like verse 2. And then you'll read the verse or you'll read the DNA. And the DNA is going to make proteins that make up the members of our body and then it's going to have a stop codon, and that's going to be the end of verse 2, and so on and so on and so on. And it does that all through the billions of genetic sequences and connections that make up human DNA. And so what the genetic scientists found out was that DNA exactly the way it was written in the Psalms 3,000 years ago, DNA is written just like a book. It's organized. It has places where sentences begin, sentences end, genes begin, genes end. And I just can't get over the fact that people can believe that DNA can write itself. And yet, if we were to take a typewriter three billion sheets of paper laying next to it and leave it out in a field for, let's say, 200 million years that we would expect, according to genetic and evolutionary scientists, we would expect a copy of, let's say, War and Peace be written by itself out in that field with that typewriter and those three billion pieces of paper that a book like the Bible or War and Peace, Shakespeare's plays or anything like that would be written out. And to me, the marvel of it is, is that not only did David call it a book, but he called it thy book, God's book. And everything that we know, brother, about a book is that a book has an author. That word is actually used in the scripture where Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author of eternal salvation to those who believe. And so you take it like this. When you look at your hands 
and your right hand and your left hand, and you see that they are similar, and yet there are differences between them. That means that from the moment you were conceived, everything about your body, the length of your fingers, the color of your skin, the color of your hair, for us guys who may have had a thick head of hair when we were 10, 12, 14 years old, now by the time we get 40 and 50, most of that hair is gone. That was all written in our DNA from the moment we were conceived. And so everything about us, our height, our skin color, in many ways, our intelligence, our ability to remember things. Some people are good at sports. Some people are good at doing mechanic work. Some people are good lawyers and doctors. Some people make good preachers. But the thing is, God made each one of us unique, but he did it basically with one copy of DNA that all started with a man by the name of Adam. And so Adam is the one who carried in his loins the genetic structure for every, and what is there, like 7.2 billion people on the planet right now? And every one of those people came from the genetics that Adam was carrying in his loins. And so if you were to take that verse and look at it another way, in thy book, all my members were written, like the members of our body. And then it says, which in continuance was fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So on the day that you were conceived in your mother's womb, all you were was like a little balloon, like a little ball inside your mother's womb. It contained 23 chromosomes from your father, 23 chromosomes from your mother. Those chromosomes were fitted together. And even if you have brothers and sisters, chances are those brothers and sisters will look similar to you. They won't look exactly like you. But each one of your brothers and sisters will carry the genetic traits given to them by your mother and father. And so on day one, you were basically one living cell with your own DNA in it. And then that cell divided, and the DNA was copied correctly. It was rightly divided and copied, and the original copy stayed with the original cell. The new copy went to the new cell, and then those two cells turned into four cells, four into eight, eight into 16, 16 into 32, 32 into 64, 64 into 128, and then so on and so on and so on. And for a while, all of those cells look exactly alike. And if you remember, Brother Patton, in the book of Acts, when the church first started on the day of Pentecost, and everybody was receiving the word of God, what they're doing is they're getting God's DNA. And early on in the book of Acts, the Bible says that all of the Christians that had been saved there in Jerusalem, they had all things common between them. And it's just like the cells that are implanted into the woman, where for a while, every one of those cells is exactly alike. But then, some of the people, because of the persecution, some people left Jerusalem, they went to Judea, and then some went to Samaria, 
And then later on, they went to the uttermost parts of the world. And as those people and as the church grew, just like in the body, at some point, those cells in the womb of a woman, they start differentiating from each other. You'll have some cells that will harden because they're going to become bone cells. You have some cells that at a very early stage, they're already vibrating because they're going to be the cells that eventually make the heart of what that baby is. And as that child grows inside the womb, there are going to be differences in those cells because they have a different role to perform. They have a different function. And one of the things that I like to see is that even though, Brother Patton, you and I, I love you to death. I think you're an awesome guy. If we were to sit down for a couple hours and talk about things that we didn't agree on, we may not like each other after that. But here's what I know about you. I know that God used the same DNA to save you and to make you born again as he did me. But there are things about you, Pastor, that God wanted different than what he wanted me. He's going to use me in a different way. He's going to use you in a different way. And I think it's a mistake when pastors try to emulate too many other pastors that are doing certain things like they think they have to be part of that and do what they do. God made us out of the same DNA, his holy word, the Bible, but he calls us each one to do a different function for him, a different work for the body of Jesus Christ. That's one of the things that I absolutely love about this study of DNA is that even though you and I have the same Father, which is God in heaven, and our Father doesn't make mistakes, and he made you, and he made me, but he made you unique. He made you different than he made me, but he made us out of the exact same DNA. Wow. Brother, it has been great. I look forward to tomorrow. Thank you. Michael Hoggard will be back tomorrow, so be sure to tune in. Today, we have Michael Hoggard's DVD, Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible, over 15 hours of Bible teaching. The scriptures and science come together as we see the amazing connection between the Holy Bible and the code book of our bodies, DNA. Order Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order at our website, swrc.com. Sharing our faith with others can be hard. Sharing our faith with our family and friends can be terrifying. Larry Stam is here to help us serve God, share our faith, and do both without fear. Shalom, friends. Larry Stam here. So glad you are joining us as we continue in this teaching series, Serving in His Court, Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach. In our last lesson, we spoke about the polarizing nature of the gospel, and we also spoke about Jesus in John chapter 3, illustrating saving faith by using a passage from the Torah in Numbers chapter 21. 
Now we're going to continue by talking about this truth, who saves who. In my years of doing evangelism equipping, in my years uh, as a missionary and, and teaching people about the Great Commission and about witnessing for Jesus Christ, sometimes I've had people come up to me and they, they say, Larry, so-and-so, I, I've been talking to them, I, I try to talk to them, but I just can't get them to see the light. I, I can't get them to understand. And I have to remind them that God is the author of salvation and that the Holy Spirit must do what only the Spirit can do. And that is this. The Holy Spirit must open up the eyes of the blind and unstop the ears of the deaf and must do that work of conviction and revelation. So we must remember when we're witnessing that our part is to be faithful, to love people in Jesus' name, to pray for people, and to proclaim the gospel message, the truth that sets men and women free. But we at the same time must also remember that it is God who is the author of salvation, not you or I. And we need to remember that when God does the work of conviction of sin, when the Spirit does that work of conviction— when that Spirit does the work of revelation, when he opens up the eyes of the blind and helps people see, that people, when they receive Christ, they are saved from God's judgment, wrath, and condemnation. And they are saved to abundant and eternal life. You remember in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come to give them life and to give it more abundantly. The implication is this, friend. As we seek to be faithful in sharing the gospel with people, we need to remember that we must leave the results up to that individual because we're called to be faithful to share the gospel. How somebody responds to the gospel is between them and God. So the implication for you and I as witnesses for Christ is that we need to stop trying to make them get it. We need to understand that we can't get them to see the light. We can't convert anyone. We can't change anyone. But God can, is, and will transform lives. Have you ever wondered why they don't get it? How did you feel? What did you think? You're not alone. It's a common experience for those of us who witness to people. For those who witness on a regular basis, we've come to this understanding there are times I can tell you in my Christian witness, in my personal life, and also as a missionary, there are times I have felt that I have given a powerful, spirit-led, spirit-empowered gospel presentation. And that message has hit the proverbial brick wall, so to speak, where I have been on the street actually with people before, and I can tell you the story. It happened to me more than once, but I would ask people on occasion— after sharing the gospel, I would say, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? And I've had people on occasion go, you know, sincerely, I'm trying to understand, but it makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. Friend, remember, we sow, we water, but God must give the increase. Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, otherwise known to us better today as Crew wrote these words regarding our witness and how people respond to our witness. He wrote, quote, Expect results when you witness for Christ, but remember, 
However God chooses to use your faithfulness in witnessing, your responsibility is to present Christ. It is his responsibility to draw people to himself. As I've said earlier, friends, Bill Bright also wrote that success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. It's a challenging truth because God doesn't even delight in the death of the wicked. He desires no one perish, but that all would come to repentance. And as you and I witness to people, as our heart breaks for people, know that God's heart also breaks for the lost. But you and I, at the end of the day, we can't get people to see the light. Our responsibility is to be faithful to clearly, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaim the gospel message, leaving the results to God. How that person responds is going to be, at the end of the day, between them and the Lord. I hope that's an encouragement to you. As we conclude this section or this series of teachings on the gospel message itself, I want us to remember, friends, keep the main thing the main thing. Understand the gospel message, share the gospel message, and pray that the Lord would reveal the truth and power and promise of that message to lost people, to the end that the Holy Spirit would draw people to himself, to the end that people would be convicted of their sins, that they would confess their sins to God, repent, and by faith receive Jesus for salvation. I want to encourage you as we close this lesson that if you're listening to my words and you are a follower of Jesus, you are an ambassador for Christ. And you and I as believers, we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. If you've not yet put your trust in Christ and you are hearing my words, perhaps this message resonates with you. Perhaps you hear this message that Jesus died for your sins and rose again from the dead and that By confessing your sins and turning from them and receiving Jesus by faith, you can be forgiven, you can be reconciled to God, and you can experience abundant and eternal life. I would encourage you, friend, to do just that. And if you believe the good news that we've been sharing on this program and have not yet received Christ, you can pray a simple prayer that goes something along these lines. God, I know I'm a sinner and I want to turn from my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sins and rise again from the dead on the third day. With this prayer, God, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Please help me to follow you all the days of my life. Friend, if you pray a prayer like that in your heart, God will deliver you out of darkness and into light. He will bring you into his kingdom. And if you prayed that prayer, please let the station know today that you've prayed that prayer. Well, friends, next time we are going to talk about as we continue on our endeavor to grow as witnesses for Jesus, we're going to talk about the spiritual war in evangelism. And until next time, friends, the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Shalom. Today, we have Michael Hoggard's DVD, Jesus Christ, DNA, and the Holy Bible, over 15 hours of Bible teaching. Available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Michael Hoggard will reveal more of the amazing correlations between the Holy Bible and DNA. 
and how the gospel message is literally encoded in our genetic structure. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.